your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. Sitting in studio with me is registered nurse slash candidate for assembly, Jane Swigum. Hi, Jane. Hello. Does that does that tilt down? You can like unscrew the sides. Yeah, we should have did that before the show. Right? Uh, 608-785-7914. So Jane is running for assembly in the district south of us. Would you say south of us? Of, yes. of lacrosse here. District 96 held by Republican Lauren Oldenburg right now. Jane is the Democrat in the race. Uh, Jane's been, you correct me when I get this wrong. Jane's a Gaze Mills native. Correct. Born and raised. Moved out, came back. Uh, registered nurse, uh, ER nurse, registered ER nurse. She's been at, have you been at Gunderson for 22 years or just nursing? No. I started out in Milwaukee in the okay. busiest ER in the state, St. Luke's, and then came back home, worked at Gunderson's ER, went and did a little clinic work for Gunderson, went to Mayo and did clinic work. I've kind of bounced around a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I have, experiences. A, I have a friend who graduated from Viterbo and um, he's a nurse. His wife's a nurse, but they but they just they just do like three month. I don't remember what the term is called. Travel nurse. Travel nurses. Okay, boy, boy, couldn't couldn't remember that one. Um, yeah, and then they just and they're like outdoorsy people, so they're always on the left coast, uh, mm. you know, Pacific Northwest. And you know, he only shares like his I'm I'm hiking this mountain or I'm biking down these trails, and I'm like, you should share some of the nursing stuff you do, but. Because it's a hard job, right? Like, I don't think people realize. Because when we go to the doctor, I guess maybe some people, because they have to put the nurse through some, you know, some hoops because of their, whatever his condition is bothering them. But uh, he doesn't share any of that. But he's a traveling nurse. I'm, I'm, I think they make pretty good money. They bought an RV. They literally lived out of an RV for a while. And I don't know if he's still doing the traveling nursing thing. But, um, you know, it looked pretty great, the the outside of the hospital part side of the job. But I mean, how, I mean, it must not be the worst job since you've been doing it for 22 years. No, it's a great job. I truly have a vocation to be a nurse and I will always have that. You can't take it out of a, a nurse. They're just always going to be one. So even when I'm 95 and the grandkids come in broken up, busted up somehow, I will still be the one taking care of them. So. Yeah, I have a I have a friend in Rushford who she's I, I covered sports for about a decade out of Winona and uh, she was the athletic trainer. And this will get into some of the things I think some of the issues you wanted to talk about. But uh, one time I broke my nose playing basketball, went to the ER. The doctor said put ice on it. Seven hundred dollar bill. Right. And I didn't have insurance or I didn't even know at that point I'm a, I'm a, you know, like 23, four years old. So I don't even know how the world works. Right. So uh, and I talked to her a little bit later because I they did, I did get three stitches. So I always say it's like two hundred sixty six dollars a stitch or something like that. And uh, I go back to the ER to get the stitches out because I don't know. You put the stitches in. So you should take them out. And the, the lady kind of whispers, she's like, you don't. I'll pretend you never came here. Go have somebody take those stitches out. She kind of whispered that to me because at the ER it would have cost, you know, what, another $700. So I I, I uh, called my friend who was the athletic trainer uh, in the area, and she's she like, comes out of a football game at halftime and pulls him out in the back of parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was that's health care for, for a lot of people, I think. Like, you find people like Jane, right, like that. I mean, you you probably have some friends that are be like, Jane, you know, I have this thing wrong with me. Do I need to go to the doctor? That happens all the time, I bet, right? 
all the time, especially family and families with um, new parents get a lot, a lot of questions from them. So, All right. So healthcare, I'll definitely be on the docket here. We're going to spend this hour talking about what other, well, like we, and we've made a list, right? But what are, what do you think? Do you have a big three? Like these are the big three. If I get into the state assembly and you know, um, some of these things are beyond state problems, but we can reel them into making them state issues. If you got into the state legislature and the assembly, uh, what would you say your big three are? Healthcare, obviously, I am a nurse, and education, I was a teacher, um, and then ultimately um, women's rights in the state of Wisconsin. And that kind of, I would say that's almost healthcare related, right? Especially now after Roe v. Wade is. Uh, overturned and quote I put overturned in quotes because it's it was it was overturned in in some regard but uh, then sent back to the states and now it looks like it's going back federally they're, we're trying to to overturn that somehow again women's rights um, but other things we have on here uh, I, I and I had an assembly rep on or assembly candidate on yesterday but the budget surplus do you have any ideas there like maybe we like it's only five billion dollars what could we do with it. Um, legalizing marijuana. You said guns, and, and what? Not just generally. We don't have to get into it now. But what are, in regard to guns? What do you think? Well, people always say that Democrats are coming for your guns, and it's so not true. When you grow up in Gaze Mills, and every member of your family is a hunter, and my husband actually made ends meet by keeping a freezer full of venison for his kids as a single dad, you better believe. I think people should be able to hunt and keep their weapons, but. I think that we need to make sure we are protecting children. That's really what it boils down to. What do we need to do to make sure that kids are protected? I'm not interested in taking the rights away from anyone, but I am very interested in making sure those kids are safe and not afraid to go to school. Yeah, there's two different worlds when it comes to guns. If you live in the city and you hear guns, you call the police. I was playing volleyball in La Crescent uh, last summer, and a gunshot went off, and nobody blinked an eye. And it was like we like literally we didn't stop the game. We didn't. And then I was just like, well, that is kind of funny. I just and it dawned on me like that is kind of funny. This is how this this area lives. We hear a gunshot that that is just somebody in their backyard target practicing in the middle of us. It was suburbs of Crescent. So it was a little mm-hmm. weird. But once you get behind the houses, it's wood. So I don't know how that works, but it did seem kind of it dawned on me that that was very comical because a very different situation happens. Even if you go across the river and hear a gunshot. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Jane Swiggum is going to spend the hour with us. Um, okay, real quick, though. You said you were a teacher and then you became a nurse. I don't know how many people do that. Like, you go to school for teaching. You you get, you get go through all that hard work and then, no, I'm not going to do Why Why the transition? Well, there are a lot of people that do that switch. I know a lot of nurses that were teachers and teachers that were nurses. So, it's not that uncommon because both fields are people-oriented and helping-oriented. And so they go together beautifully. Um, I got out of teaching because I just didn't find that my interest was totally there. I loved the kids, but all of the stuff that goes on in the background where the children are not at school and the politics within the building, the politics with the parents, that was a little overwhelming to me in my 20s. So I decided, yeah, I'm going to go back to school. I did start out as a nursing major, but I gave it up after I gave a bed bath when I was 19 and freaked out. So 
I started out, became a teacher, went back. And basically, I think they are so related, so similar in the qualities that you need to have to do both that it's not surprising at all. Yeah, I would say the same type of person could probably could be easily be a nurse or easily be a teacher. Not that either of those is easy. All right, we got to take a break. Usually I play like Stone Temple Pilots here, but I uh, accidentally put Madonna in. And maybe that's right up your alley. I don't know. <laughs> 608-785-7914. I don't dislike Madonna, but I don't know about Material Girl. It's not a... But maybe Jane Swiggum's into it. Jane Swiggum is running for assembly in the 90... I'm not going to be able to do it off the top. 96th District. Uh, she's a Democrat in the race. Lauren Oldenburg, the Republican incumbent there. Uh, Jane's a registered nurse right now. An ER registered nurse. Been doing that for 22 years. She's a Gaze Mills native. Um, we we ran down a couple of the things that we wanted to talk about. And then people called, Jane. So we're going to take some calls. And let's see here. i got to get my list up so I know who's who. All right, Dan is calling in. Dan, go ahead. You you got a question for Jane? Yeah, Jane, you might be aware of this. Uh, so President Trump signs the right to try action into law. President Trump, Donald, uh, Trump signed a federal right to, to try into law today protecting terminally ill patients' right to try medicines that have not yet been approved by the federal government for market. So I was wondering, does this still in effect? Does it have to be within the state that your insurance covers? Or could you, say, go over the Mexican border to try a therapy that, you know, because they want to try it without repercussions or even go to Germany or Korea or someplace for knee replacement or whatever? Right to try, is that still an option? And and uh, how do we access it? Are you aware of this? I'm not really aware of that at all, frankly. Um, I think that when someone has a terminal illness, I believe they should be able to try anything to stay on the planet, especially when they have children or small grandchildren. That, to me, is wise, and it is a kindness that you do to try to stay around for your family. But insurance companies are undoubtedly not going to go for that. And every private insurance company has its own regulations. There's nothing um, consistent between insurance companies. So, no, I'm afraid I don't know anything technically about that, but I do agree that people who are dying should be able to try different therapies. I have really no knowledge of what goes on with the insurance companies around it, but I am a person who believes that insurance companies are there to make a buck, and if it's going to cost them a lot of money, it's not going to be authorized. Yeah, I would say he's, he asked if, it, if it's still a thing. I believe it's still a thing. Essentially, the, you, can, you can try what you want, and it's not approved by the FDA, stuff like that. So, um, But, yeah, we'll move on because we don't know, have a, a ton of information about it. Uh, Carl's calling in. Carl, go ahead. You're on the air with Jane. Yeah, Jane, I wanted to know your stance on uh, on the abortion or life issue. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to let you know that there is nobody on the planet who is actually pro-abortion. Um, that is just not true. As a person who believes in choice, if I could wave a magic wand right now and make it so that all pregnancies were wanted... I would be delighted. But even with that, we need to keep abortion legal because, unfortunately, many things happen during a pregnancy that are really out of the control of the mother. And babies die in the womb. Um, You can have twins and one dies. You can have a child that is born with such a profound disfigurement, um, perhaps born without the 
um, skull, so the brain is completely exposed. All of these things are going to um, need to be addressed somehow. And the idea that doing a procedure, a, a physician doing a procedure, is going to possibly run the risk of being um, charged with a crime is not going to do anybody any favors. Good, Carl? Um, well, uh, so you're, you're, you would be open to uh, right up to the end? Would you be open to giving them pain medicine? I would certainly be open to giving um, anyone in pain medicine. I am not a monster. You know, as a nurse, that's what I do. I try to work very hard to make sure that people are comfortable. And if it would be something that could be done to um, ease the discomfort of anyone, I believe that it's, it's something we should do. Now, we have to do it in a controlled way, of course. I don't want to overdose someone. That is never my goal. And frankly, I'm a little stingy at times because I'm afraid, especially with elderly people, that I might do that. Um, was there another part of your question that I was to answer? Well, and then um, I guess it is pretty extreme to be late-term abortion. Um, but uh, um, would you be open then for sex selection, maybe even late-term? Sex selection, late term, where basically you're going to abort because the baby is not the sex that you want? Correct. Um, well, personally, no. But um, I believe that any kind of decision surrounding pregnancy is something that's between the pregnant woman and their provider. And as a nurse, I know that that is a protected relationship and that your health care information is protected. So... Um, no, I don't personally want to do that, but I don't want to ever impose my beliefs on someone else in cases like that. I get a question here from Ace on the text line, Jane. Would you ask her how she felt about all the pandemic mandates? Well, let me tell you. I've had a lot of people talk to me lately about vaccines and vaccine mandates, and there was no vaccine mandate. Employers could say, if you're going to work for us, we expect you to get vaccinated, and that is the case with me. I am a nurse, and I was required to be vaccinated or I could be terminated, and a job is a big deal when you are an hourly wage earner, right? So I chose to do it. But not just because I didn't want to lose my job, but because I wanted to protect my patients that I come in contact with. As a nurse in the clinic, I saw a lot, a lot, a lot of our patients dying. Those that I had grown to know over a period of years were coming in um, and sick. Our nursing home staff, our nursing home patients were dying left and right, and it really was happening. So I wanted to protect them as much as I could. I live with my 94-year-old father who is homebound and blind and frail, and I absolutely got vaccinated for him. Now, would you say when we get into the issue of healthcare, we got about three minutes here before we go to go to break. So like this might be a more of a deep dive than three minutes worth. But um, OK, you brought that up. You live with your 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 dad who needs a nurse probably. Right. Like uh, if you weren't a nurse, if you were just someone who worked 40 hours a week somewhere else, um, how how would this how would this relationship go? How would the it, like what would you have to do for my dad, for your dad? Because you, you wouldn't. I don't know if you would be able to, maybe you would, maybe you would be able to take care of him, but also 
I don't, I don't know. How would that work? Because we have a lot of people in this situation. My mom growing up, my grandpa lived with us for a while. And my mom, my dad was the, the, the breadwinner, so to speak. My mom stayed home, raised the three boys. And then at some point raised the grandpa who needed, you know, 24 hour mm-hmm. care. Um, so at that point, you know, like we were in a situation, my dad provided a situation where we could do that, but not a lot of families nowadays, both mom and dad are at work. So I don't know. How do you address that? Well, as a nurse, you know, my dad, the whole goal when I moved home in 2005, yes, I moved home in 2005. So I've kept that little guy going till now at 94. The goal was so that he would not have to go to a nursing home. And we are very lucky that my dad is doing well enough that he can take care of his own needs while I'm at work. But if it gets to the point where he can't, then he knows we have to look at getting some sort of nursing home care. And we are very fortunate in our area to have some really good nursing homes. But he doesn't want to go to one. But he will if need be because I am a working class person. I can't afford not to work. And my dad knows that. So um, as far as taking care of someone as a nurse, that's a big deal. And frankly, sometimes my dad does not want to listen to me either. Um, and usually what ends up happening then is we just kind of let it ride until he finally says, well, okay, let's go. So, um, but my brothers are in the situation where they would not have a clue what to do with my dad, who is very medically complex. And I'm lucky that I do, Mm -hmm. but if I didn't, my dad probably would have been in a nursing home years ago and he definitely would not still be on the planet. Um, but in the state legislature, I mean, is there stuff that you could do if you were you know, part of the legislature that would help these people that like, say your brother had to take care of your dad, your brother would need some kind of assistance. And then that assistance is going to cost money, whether the whether we do that as a state, as a country or no, that's going to be all on the individual who's at home, you know, trying to figure this out. Well, when people are in a situation where they need a caregiver 24-7, there are programs through the state that pay for a family member to be the caregiver. So that is one option. However, as a nurse, the amount of money that I could get to do that would not be what I can get to work in acute care in a hospital. And I could do that, but it would be a financial strain on me, and it's a financial strain on a lot of people. We have awesome programs like the Aging and Disability Resource Center, who helps people who are... Um, elderly, who have issues with their health, who have financial issues. They help them to work through these systems. But, you know, these, these programs are not cheap. And if we are having an increasingly older population, we are going to have to have more funds for things like that. Right. And that's where you come in, in the state assembly, right? Right. 608-785-7914. Jane Swiggum's running in District 96 for state assembly. She's a Democrat in a race running against Lauren Oldenburg. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll get to more of your texts and calls when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk at text line. Jane Swiggum's in the studio with me. She's running for state assembly here in the... Not here, over there, down there in District 96, south of here. So, Jane, just give me a, you know, give me a, like, starting with, what, Stoddard at the north, at the north and northernmost part, and then get, describe your district, I guess. Well, Toma, south, south of Toma is part of the 96th, and the southern portion of Monroe County. So, um, 
Wilton and Cashton are part of that same area. Moving down, you go into Vernon County, which can go from Stoddard to Coon Valley to Viroqua down to Reedstown. So it's a, it's a pretty big area as well. And then once you get to Reedstown, you hit north, hit the old Crawford County, and we have Soldiers Grove, Gaze Mills. Neither one of them are very big. Um, moving on to our largest um, city in Crawford County, which is Prairie du Chien. So it's about a two-hour drive from one tip to the other. And nobody's doing that drive. If you're, if you're trying to knock on doors, you're not doing a one tip to the other. You're doing a zigzag across however you do it. Um, do you ever think, like, maybe I should just move to La Crosse and run in the city? Because, man, <laughs> knocking on doors in La Crosse would be walking up and down a block and knocking. You could get you could get 2,000. Do- I don't know how many doors you could get. But if you're if you're here, I mean, there's no, like, Prairie du Chien is, like, your biggest city, maybe, right? Yeah. And, and, like, and you think... And you think Stoddard? There's a couple. There's a couple of uh, easy places to to knock on doors and talk to people. But beyond that, I mean, you're probably you're probably driving down backcountry roads and and farms that are a couple hundred yards or maybe a couple miles apart. Well, when you live in a rural area, this is just another day in the life of being someone living in Gaze Mills, right? If we want to go to the grocery store, get anything fancy, we have to go and drive. So in this area, what? And I, when you say fancy, you mean drive down to the McDonald's. <laughs> if we want to go to McDonald's. We've got to drive all the way to Vernon County into uh, Viroqua. So you know, fancy. When I was a kid, we never really went anywhere, but we were kind of bad. So um, anyway, it's a long, long district. It's a big district. I am knocking on doors in the more concentrated areas. Um, I was just in Wilton. That was a lot of fun. Um, but these. Other rural areas, it really is not feasible to contact every single person around here because of the distance between places. So phone calls, people. I have been making lots of phone calls. Yeah, and then maybe either way, those are a little bit imposing. I feel like I I always, if I get the phone call, I'm like, "Eh, I'm kind of busy. Um, (laughs) And then would you do you have any idea of what the percentage is? So. You know, because you're you're trying to stick to places where there's a lot of doors to knock on at once. Because if you did like one of the rural county roads uh, where there's a door every mile or so, what would be the percentage where people are like, A, they're home, B, they have time to talk to you as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, like get the bleep off my property, so to speak. Right. I would say that most people are at least polite. I have I've had only had one bad experience that actually upset me so much that I had to go find one of my friends to kind of decompress because it really shook me up. Um, but for the most part, everybody is just another neighbor. When you grow up with your neighbors, you know, going from the Heises, all the Heises came over to help us harvest our tobacco. Now we're going to go over to the Heises. And that's just how we are when we live in the country. You know, you help your neighbors. So, um, it's not going to be high results um, knocking any time during the week, Monday through Friday, um, during like day shift hours. Very few people are home, so you really have to concentrate it into the evenings and weekends. Yeah, and then maybe maybe the strategy wouldn't be knocking on doors. Maybe it would be chasing down tractors in the field. It's <laughs> harvest time right now. Maybe, hey, who's this lady chasing down the John Deere in the field? Right. 608-785-7914. Okay, uh, Joe's waiting. We've been talking about a, a bunch of stuff, but we we did bring up vaccines, and somebody brought up mandates, which isn't a thing. But Joe wanted to ask you a question about vaccines. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, uh, what I was going to say was, so she gets a vaccine to protect her patients, 
but uh, what is she protecting them from? Because you still can get the illness from getting a vaccine. And they're saying that when you get this, this vaccine, that your immune system is actually lowered. Um, and that's the reason for having to get more vaccines more often. We were born with an immune system. We should trust our immune system. And if you are a young, healthy adult, more power to you. I mean, you are undoubtedly going to do okay. Right now, though, it is not just young, healthy adults that are getting this. They are elderly, frail, having many kinds of disease states. And I do believe it is my job to protect people if I can. So... Well, and he asked, and he asked because he, he specifically brought up your job. Why are you getting the vaccine at, because at work? Like you, you said to protect people, but what are you protecting him from? He said, and as as well as your home life, it's you know brought, you brought up your ninety four year old dad. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess it's, it's not just to protect them; it is to protect me. I have had all four boosters, and knock wood, I have not had COVID, and I have been up in the faces of people since this all came around in uh, twenty twenty. So I have been exposed to all sorts of people. I am very fortunate that I remain a healthy adult, and I've had the vaccines. So. I have been protected. Because I have not gotten sick, I have been able to be at work helping people. I had no problem with the vaccines. I got the first one on a Friday because if I didn't feel good, I wanted to make sure that I would have that weekend that I was off to kind of recover. And I felt like I had the flu. That was the only reaction that I had. The very first vaccine, the rest have been fine with nothing. And I'm protecting not only others in my presence, I am protecting myself because I am exposed every day to somebody with COVID. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to ask Jane a question, Jane's a registered nurse. She was a teacher. Um, why did you, and we asked why you did that, but um, you, you, you mentioned to me before the show when you first got into teaching in the late eighties, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little different than what I'm hearing now with teachers. You said it was hard to get a job here. You had to move to Texas to get a teaching job because you couldn't get a job here. And I think now if you want to change, you know, if you want to get out of nursing, Jane, I think they'd take you. I, I think they probably would. But when I graduated in 1989, I couldn't get a job. There were like no openings. And the ones that were open, there were 200 people applying plus for each individual job. And a smart marketing tactic, Houston Independent School District in Houston, Texas, ran an ad in Milwaukee that said, why substitute when you can teach? And I thought, that's pretty right on. So I moved down to Texas. Now we are suffering from the um, Act 10 in 2011. It was very short-sighted. The long-term effects of taking away unions from teachers has led to this teacher shortage. Teachers, we are training fantastic teachers here in the state of Wisconsin, but they are leaving in droves because they can go to a state that has strong union, great benefits, and great pay, whereas Wisconsin has lost a lot of that. And so if we want to keep people, I think we need to really look at what we did in 2011. Two things are happening in the, in the district right now, in La Crosse's school district, and is Bangor in your – your, mm-hmm. Bangor's not. Okay, so um, – Bangor is going through a $24 million school referendum. La Crosse is going for the largest one in the state, $194.7 million referendum. Onalaska is at a $75 million referendum. And one more, Holman is at a $75 million referendum. There, there, there could be others in the area. Those are the ones I just remember. Um, 
you, if you're in the state legislature, this is this seems to be a red flag. Like, hello, something is not right when we have to go back to the taxpayers in these districts. Um, is there what do you think? And as a state in the state legislature, what do you think they should be doing? First of all, the monies that are going to private businesses, which are meant for private for public education is taking it right off the very top. So kids that are going to these private schools, their money's coming right off the top, and then all the kids in public schools are left with whatever is left over. And frankly, it is not fair that a kid who grows up in Gaze Mills, Wisconsin, uh, in the 54631 zip code, is going to have a lesser education than a kid that's growing up in Brookfield, Wisconsin. And it's simply because we are poor in the 96. We are one of the poorest assembly districts in the state. And if we are sitting here saying, well, education is the great equalizer, then let's act like it. You know, we've got that $5 billion proposed um, budget. Estimated budget surplus, yeah. And so let's let's make this so that we really are truly being um, for our kids. So we need to, I mean, at this point, I would say phase out the... um, vouchers. But that money needs to go to public schools. And here's another thing. You know, when you grow up in Gaze Mills, Wisconsin, there aren't any public schools or or private schools around. So, you know, we are trying very hard to educate our kids with lesser and lesser monies. Um, And so, yeah, even North Crawford is putting forth a referendum trying to get enough money to at least keep up with building maintenance. So we have really changed the focus of our education system from being educating everyone to only then um, trying to privatize our education, which is taking away from those of us who are not at the top of the wealth ladder. Yeah, I would say a great amount of these referendums on Alaska Holman is building maintenance. Bangor, I believe, is building maintenance for the most part. And La Crosse wants to build a new building, so it's almost all building maintenance. And it's about uh, school uh, population decline. There's just not as uh, as many students. Um, but on the flip side of that, the the Lacrosse School District. I know this one very well. You might know your district. Your districts. You have a lot of them. If you're if you're representing the District 96, um, teachers got a two percent raise, which is in their books uh, a pay cut. They didn't take a raise during the pandemic. So t- the the last time they negotiated this, then they got a two percent raise. They wanted a four point seven percent raise. Uh, they didn't get that either. Does the state, does the state legislature need to do something to address this? But you brought it back ten. But maybe we can. Maybe there's a, another route to take as well. So, when people are looking at the budgets, and we are looking at what is important, all budgets are are a shell game. It is moving monies around. Now, in areas that need new schools. For whatever reason, I am seeing tons and tons of signs here in La Crosse saying vote no. And I get it. We are in the middle of a terrible 40-year high inflation rate. And those of us on the bottom of that income ladder, working class, poor, and middle class, we we are saying we are already struggling. We are already struggling. And now we're going to have an increase in our taxes, which is what it comes across as for most of us. It's an increase in our taxes. And people just don't have it in them to pay that. So 
we need to say our kids are important, and maybe we need to start shuffling monies around so that we are actually paying for the things that are going to make life better for everybody around here. And that really does mean all of the kids that are in this lower income bracket should be able to get the same education as the rest. So let's shuffle some money. Let's move it around. And if we want to really talk about getting more revenue, the state of Colorado, in the first three months that it had legalized marijuana, made enough money to pay for their entire education budget, the entire thing. And every year they have gotten more and more money, and they have been putting it towards people-focused issues, homelessness, drug addiction. Um, and we need to open up our minds a little bit, perhaps, and especially when our neighboring states are already legal for recreational and medicinal, we need to look at that and say, you know, we're just sending people across the border to buy it. They're coming back. It's now illegal in Wisconsin. I think we need to legalize, and I think we need to take full advantage of legalization, taxation, and um, regulation in order to make sure that we can get more income coming in, and it's not just going to the states around us. I will say this. If we had legalized marijuana right now, the budget surplus might just be like $10 million, and we still wouldn't do anything with it. We're sitting on this budget surplus since at least February. Governor Evers called a special session in February to deal with the budget surplus. Uh, it's one of 10 things the state legislature gaveled in and out of for you know, 10 seconds. But what, what you know, let's go to break quick and then come back. I just want to get your take on the budget surplus or more of your take, I guess. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. We don't have a ton of time and we have too many things to talk about. Um, uh, one person, one person said this on the text line. Let me find it. Uh, there are teacher shortages all over the country. Act 10 saved school district tens of millions of dollars. District's millions, not tens of millions. He says millions. I would disagree with that. Um, when we are looking at the state of Wisconsin is slowly but surely decreasing the um, how decreasing what it takes to become a teacher, that is not making it better here. If you can um, go to school to be a teacher and you can go somewhere else to get a job that's going to pay better, they're going to do it. And yes, there are teacher shortages all over, but we have caused ours. You know, I did belong to a teacher's union when I was a teacher, and it did wonderful work for me personally. Um, and so you, you can't sit here and say that it's, it's because of, it's not because of Act 10. Act 10 has shafted many, many of our public um, employees and Frankly, I never did understand why it was okay to basically make teachers' unions defunct when police and fire are still having unions. I don't begrudge them having them. I just think that there should have been um, more of a across-the-board where if you're going to have them, you're going to fight so that everybody has them. I'm sorry, I may have gone off-topic there, but well, that's it's it's uh you know it's well it, there is no off-topic because we're just we're just going with the breeze here um last thing we're gonna we're gonna switch it up because you, you're a nurse you're in you're you're passionate about health care um medicaid expansion is that what we call that in the state we we haven't done this in a decade every year the federal government says here's millions of dollars you can use to help low-income people get health insurance or get health care i guess not health insurance but health care and the state legislature says no we're good we don't need that money then it goes to other states mm -hmm. um what's your take on that that I think that was 
the very short-sighted. Especially 2020, when we hit this major pandemic, to not expand Medicaid or Badger Care in the state was ridiculous. Um, all we need to do is make sure that we can get people in to have actual health care. You shouldn't have to come to the emergency department to see me in order to get health care. People need to see a primary doctor. Diabetics need to go in at least every three months, and people are not able to do it. We have people being sicker and sicker coming in, and it is far more expensive to care for sick people than it is for well people. So let's start making sure that our monies are going towards that preventative keeping you well care as we can with increasing the limits on income and funding for badger care. I mean, in, in a grand scheme, we wouldn't have to think about health care at all. In my head, I, if I, and I have to go, I've had to go to the doctor now twice in the last like three months when I haven't gone to the doctor in, in literally a decade. Um, and I still don't have the bill, Jane. So I have no idea. I do have health insurance, but like the deductible is $5,000. So I don't know how that's going to work. Well, um, but, you know, keep in mind that the reason why healthcare, one of the reasons why healthcare is so expensive is because it takes literally an entire department in a hospital, an entire department in the insurance company to get reimbursement. So you're just stacking up all of these expenses just trying to get reimbursement for the care you've provided. That's really dumb. Did you just blame me for the health insurance <laughs> crisis? Is that what you did? All right, that's Jane Swigum. She's running in District 96, so just south of here for the state assembly seat that's currently held by Lauren Oldenburg. Um, have you have you guys? Do you guys talk about doing a debate, anything like that? I mean, we've we've thrown it out. I think we're going to do it here through UWL at some point. Yes, UWL has reached out, and we are scheduled to do it. I think on October sixth. Um, it will be a Zoom, and then it will be distributed to the radio and television. Um, around the area, and then it'll be online as well. So, yeah, we are planning to do a debate. All right, Jane, I really appreciate you coming in. Uh, did you just get off work and then come right down? Is that how that works? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I worked six out of seven days last week. So oh, this, this week I day. have two days off, yesterday and today. Yay! All right, thanks, everybody, for listening.